This is the Rundown. The rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Live from the Auction Community Studios for the next two hours. Luke Lipinski here with you. Cody Fincher behind the glass. Oh, do we have a show for you. Cody, what if we just talk Suns for the next two hours? Would that be okay? Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I, I, What's I, football? Obviously, we can't do that. Uh, no Monday Night Football tonight. This is always like my least favorite Monday of the year, too. Because you're like, yeah, what's oh, up with that? That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> well, would you rather watch Doug Peterson throw a game against the Washington Football Team on Monday Night Football? Well, uh, or, or you know, allegedly, what a joke that was. That was absolutely a joke with a playoff spot on the line. Uh, I can't feel too bad for the Giants who finished the season six and ten. It's hard to feel bad for them, right? Yes, it is because. Don't lose ten games and you're you're in. <laughs> there are like NBA teams that have lost less games this season. Uh, you're right, so it's it's hard to feel bad for them, but uh, I feel bad for anybody who watched it. I did not watch it, and Bear, I know you didn't watch it either because we were here doing the Cardinals post game show last night, following a seven point outburst against the LA Rams, and so obviously we're going to start there. We're going to try and work our way through whatever happens yesterday and last week and try and just go big picture on this season and to me the biggest thing now is what are you doing going forward but honestly we can start with the fact that this show today should be about looking ahead to a first round matchup with the New Orleans Saints there's no way around that you can't start the season six and three in a year where seven teams make the playoffs in your conference and even be eight and six with two weeks left and lose to C.J. Beathard and John Wolford, you can't. You just can't. There's not an end to that sentence. You just can't. And yet they just did. And I, I tell you what, one of the most telling things about it is I don't know, I mean, if you're driving around in your car, how many how many people you talk to about the Cardinals, but I can tell you I talked to quite a few yesterday before the game that were like, well, we're going to lose today. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then they did. They scored seven points. They only scored those seven points because Jordan Hicks picked off John Wolford, but then rather than jump on John Wolford and be like, hey guy, this is your first NFL game and you threw an interception that led to a touchdown on your first NFL drive, they let him move the ball on him. And I'm I'm very hesitant to pile too much of this on the defense right now. The defense ended up giving up what? In the last two games, the Cardinals allowed 38 total points, and that you can't even really put all that on the defense. They're different games. I mean, the San Francisco one was frustrating because you let Jeff Wilson run for 183 yards on you. I get that. But if if they don't go for it on fourth down at their own 35 with nine minutes left in a two-point game, well, then you probably held San Francisco to 14 points. To go out there yesterday to lose 18-7, to I just... It just it, it sets you back. There's no way around it. There's just no way around it. We're obviously going to talk about Cliff Kingsbury a lot throughout the show, and I would say in the coming days on this station for sure. My initial gut reaction after the game is I don't want to fire my head coach and start over again and again and again unless I have a surefire replacement that I know is going to come in and not you know not be hitting the reset button next year. The further we get away from this loss, the more I'm starting to come off that. You know, I, I don't I don't know that that's the answer, but there's a lot of a, a lot of stuff in this game 
and this season that's just not sitting well 24 hours later. And I think in the moment, you're kind of just in shock. Like, wait, did they did they really just do this? They just lost to John Wolford with their season on the line? You beat Bethard or Wolford, you make the playoffs. If you win last week, yesterday's game ultimately doesn't keep you out of the playoffs because Chicago lost. And that's the thing. The Rams are probably a better team. The Rams are a better team. You haven't beat them in four years. The Cardinals should be a better team than Chicago. You can look at this and you can say, okay, I'm, I'm looking up and down the, the, the list of teams that made the playoffs in the NFC. Is it fair to expect the Cardinals to be clear-cut ahead of any of them in year two of a rebuild that you knew was going to take some time and have some growing pains? Like they, they shouldn't be better than Green Bay, New Orleans, Seattle, Tampa, and the Rams, probably. I mean, they coming into the season, I thought they'd be right there with the Rams. I was wrong. Uh, Washington, there's nothing you can do about the fact that somebody was coming in out of the NFC East. You should be in the playoffs over the Chicago Bears. They are quarterbacked by Mitch Trubisky. If quarterback play makes that much of a difference, you have one of the breakout stars in the NFL this year in Kyler Murray, and you miss the playoffs, albeit over a horrible tiebreaker that was based on best winning percentage in common games, but you still missed out to the Chicago Bears. In a season where they lost six in a row, in a season where you were six and three, or even eight and six, you finish eight and eight and lose the tiebreaker. I don't know how you do not have a backup quarterback with game experience if you plan on being a playoff team. And I'm not I'm not sitting here being like, oh, you should have drafted somebody amazing. Like, you're not gonna waste draft pick after draft pick on a quarterback. You've got your guy in Kyler Murray. And I'm not saying the backup quarterback is gonna be something amazing, but if they had Ryan Fitzpatrick, if they had Tyrod Taylor. Just a serviceable guy that's played in this league before yesterday. They beat the Rams. There's no way around it. That's not putting it on Chris Strebler. He had never thrown an NFL pass. He hadn't even had a preseason. But I don't know how you go into a game like that and certainly don't know how you go into next season expecting to be a playoff team and not having a backup quarterback with any NFL experience. Your quarterback's going to get hurt. Kyler Murray came back in the game yesterday. Probably should have had a touchdown if they were not just beating DeAndre Hopkins with baseball bats in the back of the end zone. Although, (laughs) I don't think the officials loved the uh, peace sign that he flashed them uh, during the game. So, there's a lot to get into in this game. And trust me, we're going to get into all of it. But right now, it's time for the Rundown Rapid Reaction. The Rundown Rapid Rapid Reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. Well... Shifting away from the Cardinals for a second here. How about the Phoenix Suns last night? No shame in losing to the L.A. Clippers. They fall by a final of 112-107. They were down 20 at halftime. That that would have been shameful. That's the last thing we needed, right? On a day when the Cardinals lose to the Rams again. You have the Suns go out there and get just blown out by the Clippers. But that was not the case. The Suns come back in the second half. They cut that deficit to... Now, the Clippers are a good team. You spot a good team, a 20-point lead. They're probably ultimately going to come away with the win. But the Suns' loss yesterday did not feel at all like the Cardinals' loss. And I I get that the Cardinals' loss ended their season. But the Suns, even in a loss, feel like a team that is is trending up. They started last year 5-2. They're 5-2 right now. So if you just want to go based purely on record, they're exactly where they were a year ago. But there's something different about this team. 
And to be down 20 against the Clippers and nearly come back, to go out there and handle Utah and Denver. I know Denver didn't have Michael Porter Jr., but still, you won those games. Denver's still a good team. And uh, and for the Suns to be 5-2, and two, it's it's an exciting start. Like, I find myself frustrated they're not playing tonight or tomorrow. I wait all the way to Wednesday for a Suns game. And we need the Suns right now to get the taste of that Cardinals game, second half of the season, whatever you want to call it, uh, out of here. College basketball, ASU hasn't played in seemingly forever. They're not the only team that is missing game after game. Villanova's next three games are already canceled. And so the NCAA is going to hold March Madness, or the NCAA tournament, I should say, not not conference tournaments or anything, but the actual NCAA tournament, 68 teams in a bubble in Indianapolis. If they can pull this off, more power to them. I know they lost a ton of money last year not having the tournament, and it's totally understandable because if you recall, sports kind of got hit on pause right before the NCAA tournament was about to get ready. I think it was. I think that was the week of Selection Sunday. I think it, that Rudy Gobert stuff was a couple days before Selection Sunday. So I get why they had to miss last year. I do think, and it's funny because it's still the NCAA. I do think college basketball is run better than college football. It's still got its flaws, but uh, if they can pull this off, sixty-eight teams in a bubble is. It's crazy, but it's not as crazy as it sounds at first. It's not 68 teams playing a full season together. I mean, after the first weekend, you're going to be down to 16 teams. So I hope they can do it. I hope ASU can start playing some games again soon. And uh, yeah, I missed March Madness a lot last year. I think everybody did. And college football, Alabama and Ohio State, that is going to be your national championship. If you're sick of seeing Alabama or Ohio State in the playoff or the championship, uh, join the club of everybody that isn't an Alabama or an Ohio State fan, and I'm in that group with you. But impressive performance by Justin Fields and Ohio State to but, knock off Clemson. But wait, I thought Dabo Sweeney had Ohio State as his 11th <laughs> best team in the country. Well, then Interesting. I guess, guess that means Clemson is the 12th best team in the country at best. Yeah, that, that one was – I was a little surprised by that. Not surprised by Alabama. Uh, I don't think Notre Dame – like didn't deserve to be there after the season they had. But don't ever feed me the, the garbage again of, well, you know, with the system, every game counts. And, you know, at the end of the year, those are basically like playoff games. Notre Dame got blown out in their last game, still went to the playoff, got blown out in the playoff. All right. I mean, <laughs> that, that game was very anticlimactic and not really worth your time, again, unless you're a fan of Alabama or Notre Dame. And really, if you're a Notre Dame fan, it wasn't worth your time either. But uh, credit to Ohio State. I don't know that they're beating Alabama, but when you have a quarterback like Justin Fields, future New York Jet, I would assume, maybe, then I guess anything is possible. All right, that's the rapid reaction. we got to get back into the Cardinals, though, and I do. I want to figure out what exactly the deal is at quarterback with Kyler Murray and behind Kyler Murray. To me, that's where everything starts for next year. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Rundown 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Yeah, it's going to take a while to get over this one. Luke Lipinski here with you, Cody Fincher behind the glass. Cody, when did you kind of get that feeling yesterday? Like, yeah, they're, they're probably not winning this game. As soon as Kyler got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. But did what you, was that on the first drive? Yeah, it was the first drive. <laughs> <laughs> I 
There, I mean, there was there was moments, right? Like, I, I mean, like I said, there was a lot of Cardinals fans I know that after what they saw last week and knowing the history against the Rams, they're like, we're not winning this game. You can, you can play whoever you want a quarterback. Um, you know, Sean McVay had a full week with John Wolford. He doesn't need his quarterback to be amazing. He just needs his quarterback to be serviceable because the Rams don't win with their quarterback play. They win with their defense and their running game or whatever. So there was that. I think there was certainly the moment, like you said, when Kyler got hurt, you're just like, oh, cool. And when he didn't come back, like, in the next, you know, 10 minutes or so. Yeah. I, I know what they were doing. Like, I understand why they were walking him around to see if he could walk it off. But it just, it looked weird because it was like, they're going to take Kyler to the locker room. His ankle hurts. They're going to walk him around an entire football field five times on the way to the locker room. Like, it was Yeah, just, it was really strange. He walked to the locker room, came back. They... I think he even threw the ball around a little bit. Yeah. Then he went back into the locker room, and then it was halftime. <laughs> like, like where, where is the tape in the blue medical tent and the other stuff in the other room? Like, like, what's going on? This guy's got the hurt ankle. He's walking around more than anybody in this game right now because he's just going up and down the sidelines. But the other moment I think that was was it was tough to have any confidence after this is when Strevler threw the pick six late in the first half because. They were up seven to five at that point, and it did not feel like they were up. Like it, it, I had to double check the score a couple times because it felt like they were losing, but they were still up, and they were kind of moving the ball down the field, and then just not a good pass. And it's sort of amazing, nobody uh, could even get a hand uh, on him as he returned it for a touchdown. But then it was just like it was the first time in the Kyler Murray Cliff Kingsbury era where. One score made me feel like, okay, they can't win this game. I remember having that feeling a lot during the the Steve Wilkes, Josh Rosen era, where, I, I mean, I've referenced this game before, but they lost that game to the Lions. I think it was like 17 to 7. And when the Lions went up 7 or 10 to 3 or 10 to 7 or whatever it was, it was everybody in the press box was just like, all right, well, see you next week. Yesterday was the first time with this group where it was like, they're not winning this game because I don't know that they're going to score again. And they didn't. Mentioned this last segment. Uh, we did our rapid reaction pieces. The hosts all do that after the games all season. Kind of like your um, immediate emotional reaction, which is always dangerous to put your emotional thoughts in prints where they're permanent. But we've been doing it all season, and it is kind of a good way to sort of organize your thoughts, especially for me before I go do the postgame show. But the the thing really that stood out to me in the moments after that game yesterday and, and certainly throughout the game was like, how how do you not have a quarterback ready? And I know, like I said, it's not Chris Strebler's fault. I'm not blaming him. I'm not saying he can't have a future with the Cardinals. But to me, the bar now, going forward, and I'm sure there will be changes this offseason, but the bar for next season is, with this group, whatever you want to, whoever you want to put in that group, if you think it's Cliff Kingsbury, if you think it's Kingsbury and, and, and other pieces of the front office, whatever, you better make the playoffs next year. You have to. And... To me, the bare minimum you can do next year is make the playoffs and lose in the first round. It's weird, right? You look and you're like, okay, they improved by three games this year. Yeah, but not not the way... No. <laughs> not, not like that. They didn't improve in the second half of the season. They got worse. They regressed in the second half of the season. But if that's the bar next year, if that's like the baseline that you have to work from... And by the way, it, it's not... these. Winning an additional game or two each year gets harder now, not easier. When It's easier when you're going from 3 to 5 and, and even 5 to 8, not when you're trying to go from 8 to 10 or 11. But if that's the bar, you have to have a backup quarterback that has played. 
Like I said, I just threw out a couple names last segment. Tyrod Taylor. Ryan Fitzpatrick, I know, is like he's he's almost a little bit above a backup quarterback. But honestly, like, I'm not a huge Mason Rudolph fan. I think they win the game yesterday if they have him. It's an extreme situation. The Rams had no quarterback either. So you have two teams with quarterbacks with no NFL experience fighting for a playoff spot. But again, the Rams have Sean McVay, and they have a defense, one of the best defenses in the NFL, and they just aren't built around winning with their quarterback. The Rams lose Jared Goff. Okay, you know, if he doesn't come back this season, they're not winning the Super Bowl. But even if he doesn't play next week, I'd give him a shot against the Seahawks. The Cardinals lose Kyler Murray. That's it. That's a huge drop-off. They lost him for a couple quarters yesterday, and they scored seven points in a game they absolutely had to have. So I'm not saying you need some amazing backup. If you're, if you're really that committed to it being Chris Strevler, he better get every preseason snap next year, assuming there is a preseason. I All season long, and I remember all of us, that first week when Strevler came in for the uh, it was it was a goal line carry or just like a one yard carry and then Cliff was asked during the week like hey so you know are you going to keep him around when when you know when Hudley is the backup and Cliff's like no no Strevler's the backup I don't know what happened to Brett Hundley but especially without a preseason like I don't know how you drop from guy that comes in and beats the Seahawks last year and we all kind of thought if the Cardinals have to go two or three games without Kyler Murray Hundley can win you one or two of them he, he, you know he can manage the game enough yeah I don't know how you go from that to inactive every week. That's what's weird about it, right? We all thought when they brought in Chris Strebler that they were going to use him like the Saints used Taysom Hill. Yeah. And run him around, have him maybe catch a pass here and there. But instead, he is the backup quarterback. He's the only other quarterback on the active roster. Mm -hmm. And even yesterday when he had to come in, it seemed like the game plan didn't change to suit his skill set. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they had him run that goal line or when they were on their own goal line before the safety. They had him run that quarterback sneak, which apparently is in the playbook after all. <laughs> and then they had him they called a play where he took a seven step drop back in the end zone and ultimately Justin Pugh got called for holding in the end zone, so they got a safety, but it's just weird. It didn't see they they the Rams and Sean McVay they used John Walford. He's pretty quick. Yeah. And they used that. They had design runs for him. I, I don't remember Chris Strebler having any design runs besides no. that quarterback sneak. And, and It was just weird how they used him. I, I can give... I mean, if we're just dealing in reality here, Sean McVay's a better coach than Cliff Kingsbury. Sean McVay's a better coach than most coaches. And they knew Wolford was starting from you know Monday of last week, whereas the Cardinals didn't know Strevler was starting. So I, I, I will give them a little bit of leeway there. But again, the bigger picture is how do, you, how do you get into a game like that and the guy that's leading your offense against one of the two or three best defenses in the NFL is learning on the job. That just can't happen. And it's not its not like I think, hey, if Strevler had played in the fourth quarter against the Jets, then he would have been so much better yesterday. But why didn't Strevler play in the fourth quarter against the Jets? Like, why was yesterday the first time he was ever throwing an NFL pass and your entire season was on the line? And and bigger thing, if you want to say, well, that's hindsight, Luke. You weren't talking about this last week. Because, I, I, yeah, I guess I wasn't. I mean, I was talking about Brett Hundley back in week two and why he was <laughs> mysteriously just gone. But if you want to say that, that's fine. Then fix it for next year. 
Because if we get to next year and it's entirely possible, hey, the Cardinals start four and one. Uh, Kyler gets hurt in you know in week five. He's going to miss week seven, week six, and week seven. And and Chris Trevler's coming in, and they're like, okay, well, Trevler's only got that one bit of game experience against the Rams last year, and you go in there and lose those two games, then what have you learned? If you're going to tell me that these were growing pains, I can buy that to a certain extent, probably more than most people can, to be honest. I can buy the fact that, hey, this is only year two, and you knew there were going to be growing pains, and this is what it looks like, but you better learn from those. I, I'm not going to be happy if next season starts, and Kyler Murray's your starting quarterback, that better be the case, and Chris Trevler's your backup. And it's just kind of like, yeah, we know we're, we're working on an experiment with Strevler. It'll be kind of cool. No, no. There's no more experimenting. This is not a rebuild. This is not, hey, let's, let's try and redefine the game of football. You need to be a playoff team next year. That pressure is there. It wasn't there at the start of this year. I will grant you that. But by the midway point of the season, when you are 6-3, and three, you absolutely need to be a playoff team. When Kyler Murray looks like one of the best weapons at the quarterback position in the NFL for a good chunk of the season, when you get, what, 12 and a half sacks from Hassan Reddick? When you get Dennis Gardeck coming out of nowhere to get two sacks a game for a while? Buda Baker playing the way he played? DeAndre Hopkins having one of the best seasons in Cardinals history? When you get all that and you don't miss the playoffs to a team quarterback by Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles? Stuff's got to change next year. If you don't want to change personnel, that's fine, but you better learn from what happened this year. Otherwise, you're just going to do it next year. It's my biggest fear with this team. Is It's not that... like This is not a bad team. And I'm starting to waver on whether or not Cliff is, is in over his head. But there's a lot of teams that fired coaches today that would love an eight-win season. So he's not as terrible as everybody thinks he is right now. But is this his ceiling? Because in the second half of the season, it kind of felt like it was his ceiling. So, get better next year. All right, when we come back, we'll get into uh, the what that looks like for next year. You know, How are you going to improve on this for next season? And uh, we'll hear from DJ Humphreys a little bit as well. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Keeping it live and local with Luke Lipinski on the Rundown. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Always love hearing from DJ Humphreys. And uh, he met with the media today virtually. It just, it, it does feel weird that the season's just over. And I get that it's the NFL where, you know, they, they could have won the division and the season could just be over next week. You know, one game can do it. But when they were 6-3, and three, I, I, in a million years, did not think they were going to miss the playoffs. I really didn't. I really didn't. At the start of the year, I, when we did our projections, I had them at nine and seven, fringe playoff team. Uh, when they, they there was that week in the middle of all the just madness, right back in uh, months hold no meaning in 2020. But at some point in the middle of nothingness in 2020, there was that week where the Cardinals got DeAndre Hopkins in the same trade where they got rid of David Johnson's contract, and then a couple of days later, the NFL announced that they're going to seven playoff teams, so three wild card teams in each conference. And at that moment I was like, you know what? Cardinals in the playoffs. 9 and 7, 9 and 7 will make the playoffs now. Maybe you go better once you get DeAndre Hopkins. They finish 8 and 8, they miss the playoffs on a tiebreaker, and before I play some of this DJ Humphreys audio, I this is the other question that has just been rattling around in my head all day. What if you don't make that trade for DeAndre Hopkins? Like I've been one of the people that's been pushing it the other way and saying, okay, 
don't do anything hasty. Don't get crazy. You're gonna obviously going to be emotional about this team the, the days after their season ends, even if they had made the second round of the playoffs. That always happens. You finished 8-8. Eight and eight. That's a step forward. You know, you go from three wins to five wins to eight wins. But if they don't make that trade for DeAndre Hopkins, where is this team? They don't have more wins. They don't beat Buffalo. I think that's fair to say, right? You can always play out the whole ripple effect of, well, you don't know this will happen or that'll happen. They're not beating Buffalo because who else is making that catch in the back of the end zone? Who else is even keeping them that close in that game? We're going to do a segment later on the show looking at the players you truly trust to move this team forward next year. Not a lot on offense right now. So, I don't know, that's a scary thought. If you don't have DeAndre Hopkins, what do you, do you do you win five games again? Do you win six? I mean, Kyler took a step forward, but the way the second half of the season went just puts everything into question. One of those guys you do trust on offense is DJ Humphreys, and uh, you know, obviously he has heard the the comments about his head coach, and he was asked about it today. What's your reaction to those fans that are saying, you know, we got to move on and get a different coach? I have no reaction to those fans. And a little bit more from DJ Humphreys talking about the progress this team has made. Remember, he's one of the guys, believe it or not, that's a vet now in this team. He's been here for a while. He's He's been here through Bruce Arians and Steve Wilkes and now Cliff Kingsbury. So those guys do, in my mind, hold a little more sway on some of these topics. This is what he had to say about the progress. I should have said, though, that we, we, we came light years from, 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 from having a number one pick and having three wins to, to being eight and eight. So, you know, that, that happened with Cliff as our head coach. And I don't – those fans that, that, that have those opinions, like I said, that's, that's what I meant by not having a comment. I don't, I don't want to get enamored with, with talking to those guys at all because if you're not, a, you're not with us, you're against us. So. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like I said before, there are a lot of – there's, what, six NFL teams that have already fired head coaches that were doing nowhere near eight and eight this season. My biggest thing for Cliff Kingsbury is next year, show me improvement. It's been one of my favorite things about him, certainly in the first half of this season, is his willingness to adjust. But in the second half of the season, it was kind of like, is he still able to adjust? You know, you get some of these coaches in, I mean, look at Adam Case in New York, and you just, I mean, he came in at the same time as Cliff, and he had, he had at least been around the NFL more. But there was that sort of arrogance of like, no, what I'm doing is working. Well, Adam, your team's 0-13, so what you're doing isn't working that well. And he's not the only one. With Cliff, it's like, okay, what I'm doing here is working, but what I'm doing here isn't, so I know I need to adjust it. But he invites a lot of criticism on himself himself because he takes the blame a lot after these games, too. Remember last year when they started running the ball a lot and we were praising Cliff Kingsbury for finally, you know, not finally, but... Realizing, hey, the strength of this team right now is running running the ball with Kenyon Drake. Yeah. And at the time, somewhat David Johnson. But <laughs> he the, finished the season strong, by the way, for he, Houston. Yeah, I know. Weird. Uh but he showed that willingness to adjust from what everyone thought he was gonna be, pass, 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 pass. But yeah. it ended up being the Cardinals ran the ball more often. And I feel like this year it's kind of been we've been constantly questioning play calls and it's kind of the same stuff oh it's third and 11 let's throw a wide receiver screen behind the line of scrimmage yeah oh it's 
third and 15, let's throw a ball five yards and see if someone can get six more yards or whatever. Third and 18, let's run an RPO with our quarterback who's limping. I mean, <laughs> I can like see the steam coming out of your ears that right now. That option play, I was yeah. just, I couldn't, I didn't know what I was watching. Did you hear Vince Murata today? No. He's like, you ran an RPO with a quarterback that couldn't R, and I was PO'd. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great line. That wasn't my line, that was Vince's line. But it, I think it encapsulated what everybody was, was feeling. Look, I hope Cliff comes back next year and has learned from this stuff. But let's also be real here. He's not getting a year past next year if this team doesn't show considerable improvement. And if the season was eight games long, wouldn't even be having these conversations. But even if you go eight and eight, start slow, get better. Make us feel better that way. If they went eight and eight, same thing, you know, missed the playoffs tiebreaker to Chicago, but it's because they, they got out of the gate slow. Okay. You know, that, then it's, it, it feels more like, okay, but this is only year two. You know, what do you expect? They look, they're getting better. We had a caller in the postgame show last night who summed it up perfectly. It was like, you know, at the end of last year, they won five games. I felt a lot better about the direction of this team than now when they've won eight games. The end, after week 17 last year, we were all like giddy. Like, okay, this team, 5-11 and one, and they could have won like two or three more. And, and who knows, next year, Kyler's going to take a step. Kyler did take a step. They won three more games, and we're all like, is this it? Like, this, is this the top of the mountain? This isn't nearly as big of a mountain as I thought it was going to be. So, like I said, I want to see him come back. I want to see, well, I want to see him come back if he's better next year. I don't want to see this again. And when you, you fall apart down the stretch, and Cliff fell apart down the stretch, like, I know they would never do this, but it's, it's funny to me the people that are like, you got to get Cliff an offensive coordinator. Uh, a, they're never going to do that. B, how about you get Cliff a head coach and make him the offensive coordinator? Like, if you're going to do something, why wouldn't you just do that? And I know they would never do that. But my fear with Cliff is more so, like, can he control this entire team and learn on the fly and make the play calls? If he was just making play calls, maybe he would be better. I don't know. I mean, that stuff's not going to change. He's either going to be your head coach and in charge of the offense, or he isn't. They knew that coming in. Steve Kime knew that coming in. Michael Bidwell, they all signed off on this. This was part of the experiment. And honestly, if you had told them, or Cardinals fans, on the day that they drafted Kyler Murray, remember how bad it was the season leading up to that? If I had told you then, okay, they're going to close out the 2020 season, 8-8. Eight and eight. That's how quickly they're going to turn this around. You'd be like, all right, cool. Eight and eight. Kyler looks like one of the, I don't know, seven best quarterbacks in the NFL. If you were doing a draft, if all the teams had to, to, to redraft starting over right now, and he'd be one of the first players off the board. Because when you factor in his, his age and the fact that he hasn't hit his ceiling by any means, he's still got that upside. Like, it is, it's still 100%. I 100% believe it's exciting. It's an exciting time to be a Cardinals fan. But that's why this hurts so much more because you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be stumbling down the stretch like this. I know it's not just C.J. Beathard and it's not just John Wolford. I know it's not one-on-one football. We're always going to remember this season now, not as the season where Kyler was like one of the, the the better quarterbacks in the NFL, one of the most exciting players for chunks of it. Like we're going to remember the season for what the Hale Murray. And losing the two completely inexperienced backup quarterbacks when you just had to beat one 
to make the playoffs. Here's more from DJ Humphreys. Um, it's definitely definitely a huge motivator. Never haven't been that close to the playoffs uh, since my rookie year, going my rookie year. Um, definitely be something that's that's lingering in the back of my mind throughout this all season. And his just general evaluation of the season overall, because this is now important. You know, now you're going into the off season where you're going to have an opportunity for trades and free agency in the draft. That's why the draft isn't like the day after the season. You need some time to let emotions calm down and, and to, to honestly evaluate your team and be real with yourself and be like, this is a weakness. We have to fix this. This is a strength. We don't want to fix something that isn't broken because then you're setting yourself back. DJ Humphreys doesn't have to make those decisions, but he's got a pretty good viewpoint on on what went right and wrong this year. I think we made a lot of strides. Obviously, we're not where we want to be. We, we didn't end up where we want to be or are where we want to be. Um, but I think we made a lot of strides from from uh, from last year to this year, and I think it's it's something to build off going into next year. What's funny about it is if you go if they go out there and win ten games next year and they win a playoff game, even if they win ten games, don't win a playoff game, but you know you're in the playoffs and it's a competitive game, or whatever. Then we're all going to look back at this season and be like, "Yep, that was the next logical step." You know, twenty nineteen, you win five; twenty twenty, you win eight; and twenty twenty one, you win ten, and we make the playoff. Then it will. But it's just the unknown right now, and it's just that sort of feeling of like they hit a wall around week eight, nine, ten, whenever you want to say that wall hit. I mean, I think it's it's different depending on your opinion of that Buffalo game. But they hit a wall midseason, and they never got through that wall. So now you're thinking like, okay, did they did they hurry their way through? And they, and we we saw their entire learning curve and their entire like their path to improvement. They hit that wall midway through the season, and that's it. It, it's fair to wonder that right now. I Like I said, I would hope that they are going to be a, a better team next year and, and, and the next logical step is a couple more wins. And if, if that happens, then you know we'll look back at this year, a year from now, and be like, yeah, I remember when we were freaking out and then it turns out it was just the next step up the flight of stairs. But it's like you're walking up the stairs right now and the lights are off. So <laughs> the way this season ended, it's like hopefully there's another stair. Otherwise, it's going to be falling. All right, we come back. We are going to do a top five. I'll give you the top five Cardinals that I trust to take this team to the next uh, level. And Cody, as Cody is often one to do, is going to give you the five Cardinals he trusts least to get them over the, uh, the, the hump here. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It's the Rundown, hosted by Luke Lipinski. Luke, I am your father. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. We haven't done one of these in a while. We haven't had a show in a while with all the uh, the other stuff going on. You can always tweet into the show at Rundown987. You can tweet me at Luke Lipinski. You can tweet Cody at Bear987. Our top five topic tonight, we're going to split this. So instead of us just each counting up from five, we're going to be doing that, but we're going to be working towards different goals. I'm going to give you the five players, coaches, front office. It could be anybody. Anybody associated with the Cardinals. I mean, it can't be like Dave Pash, I guess. That wouldn't be one of my answers. Maybe it should be. But, like, the five that I have the most confidence in, that I trust the most to get this team into the playoffs next year, Cody's going to give you the guys he has the least confidence in. So, Bear, I will let you start with number five. All right. Number five. Cardinals I don't trust. (laughs) (laughs) Um... I'm going to have to go with number five, Devon Kennard. Uh, 
I didn't see much from Devon Kennard this year. He, I mean, I think he missed a game because of COVID. But other than that, he was kind of invisible out there. And he signed a pretty lengthy deal with the Cardinals. Not that much money, but... I mean, I didn't. He was he was supposed to be the pass rusher on the opposite side of Chandler Jones this year, and he kind of didn't really do much. So I was underwhelmed by Devon Kennard this year. Hopefully, he turns it around. But I just going by what I saw from him this year, I can't trust that. Yeah, that's fair. You know, we can we can have a conversation about the free agents they brought in. I think Devondre Campbell would probably be the one that had the best season. Um, Devon Kennard, there were there were a couple games early in the season where it was like, okay, all right, Jordan Phillips too, and then they just kind of, eh, all right, I don't want to infringe on your possible list. So I'm uh, remember, Cody's going bad, I'm going good here. Uh, my number five that I most trust to get the Cardinals to the playoffs next year. And once I got the five, it was tough to put him in an order. I'm going to say Chandler Jones only because he's coming off an injury. Otherwise, he'd probably be higher on my list, to be honest. But I'll go Chandler Jones, number five. And, you know, if you want to be optimistic looking at this team going forward, you can you can certainly make an argument. Losing Chandler Jones is going gonna, is gonna to hurt your team. I mean, the guy had 60 sacks in the previous, what, three, four years? You, you knew that when you when you lost him, your team was going to take a hit. And then you lose you know Jordan Phillips, Corey Peters. You lose basically your entire defensive line. You lose Dennis Gardeck when he comes in. The thing, though, again, that was so just confusing about it is I don't think any Cardinals fans looking at the season and being like, yeah, we missed the playoffs because our defense wasn't any good. And defense was fine. It just wasn't, wasn't as good as it would have been with Chandler Jones. So he's number five on my list. All right, number four on my list of Cardinals I don't trust going into next year. Jordan Phillips, you you almost spoiled it there for me. <laughs> um, Jordan Phillips was the really the first big Steve Kime acquisition this past offseason on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, he had a really good uh, season last year in Buffalo, which was a contract year. And he in his first year with the Cardinals, I believe he only played in nine games. Um, that sounds about right. And just couldn't stay healthy. I mean, uh, he just couldn't stay on the field. And I was hoping for Jordan Phillips to be a, a key contributor on the defensive line. They had so many injuries on the defensive line. Him, Corey Peters, um, Rashard Lawrence. But, yeah, Jordan Phillips, I mean, nine games. I just, I don't know. Can he stay healthy? Yeah, last year, nine and a half sacks for Buffalo. Yeah. This, this year, ten solo tackles. You right. know what I mean? And right. Yeah, you're right. Nine games. They had the two sacks, but uh, yeah, not not what they were hoping for uh, from him. The best ability is availability. Oh, look at that. Look I, at that. I think I stole that from Max Starks. I feel like he probably stole it from somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I think he did steal that from Max Starks, actually. Uh, number four on my list of Cardinals I do trust to get this team to the next level next year is DJ Humphreys. Uh, you know, we don't talk about him as much as you do other position players because he doesn't put up stat- stats. He doesn't help your fantasy teams. He doesn't make some amazing game-changing play on defense like Hassan Reddick or Chandler Jones or, you know, whoever. Um, but he's taken considerable steps forward. And if you're looking for reasons to be excited about this team, I think maybe number one on the list is that they have their quarterback in their left tackle. A lot of teams don't have either. Uh, some of the other teams only have one. I mean, there are certainly teams that have both, and those teams are <laughs> in the playoffs right now. But, um, yeah, DJ Humphreys is, uh, is certainly one I trust. Now, 
we said this, this could be coaches as well. Yeah, it could be anybody. So number three on my list, it's Cliff Kingsbury. And to clarify, this is just in case anybody just turned their, their car trust. on. Don't trust, yes. Cliff Kingsbury. And I have a little bit more faith in Cliff than some people that I know, but... I just saw too many times in late game situations Cliff Kingsbury be unsure of what the right call is. You know, he does, you know, he's either too aggressive in a spot where he should be conservative or he's too conservative in a spot where he should be aggressive. I mean, and and I, I would love to just see the wide receiver screens on first and goal go away, but that's just me. Um, I think Cliff Kingsbury is going to get at least, like I think you were saying, another season. Um, Gambo was saying earlier on Burns and Gambo that an opportunity for a head coach is really three years, he thinks, and I agree with that too. Yeah. I think Steve Wilkes was kind of the outlier because I don't think he had any idea what he was doing, and neither did any of his coaching staff. I think Cliff Kingsbury is smart. Um, we saw we saw that a little bit last year, like I was saying earlier, with the whole he started running the ball more. So hopefully he just is able to adjust. But right now, just with some of the late game situations, the disarray before plays, False the pre snap penalties and mental errors and I, I think part of that is coaching obviously another part is players but how are you getting down to three seconds on the play clock play clock before you know with no crowds I yeah mean, I mean do you think false starts are going to go away next year when there are crowds because I don't, I don't I, they're probably going to be more you, yeah. you would logic would say more so I would just say Cliff Kingsbury though I have I do I will say I have faith that he can write the ship yeah I mean I think you said it right there he is a very smart guy and he's got that willingness to to learn now the question is has he reached his his you know his limit on what he can do or is he going to take a ne- next uh, step next year and he's I mean, very accountable to him yeah he, he keeps himself accountable at least what he says to the media he's the the one difference between him and Steve Wilkes was Steve Steve Wilkes constantly blamed the players for not executing the game plan. Yeah. And I think that lost him the locker room. And if Cliff Kingsbury actually believes what he says to the media, how it's on him, he's got to coach better, then I hope to see him you know, uh, adjust this offseason and adapt. If, um, you know, if, if what DJ Humphreys said last segment is indicative of how the rest of the locker room feels, if, if Cliff still has the locker room, which I would assume he does, then, um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a three-year thing. It's just there's a lot of pressure on him next year. I, I like, you know, the 2-2 two and two record already against the Seahawks, but there are times where it feels like he overthinks things. And there are times, again, everybody likes to play the, the hindsight is 2020 game, but there were too many times this year where Cliff did stuff in real time that we were all like, why are you doing that? And then it either didn't work and it burned them, like going for it on fourth down at your own 35 last week, or it did work and we were all still kind of like, eh, that's going to burn them eventually. Number three on my list of, of people I do trust to get the Cardinals over the hump next year and into the playoffs, Buda Baker. And I don't think I really have to explain this one since we're running fairly short on time, but Buda Baker is... He's one of the most reliable players on the team at this point. That's not going to change. We saw the game this year he missed. They didn't even look, they look like a shell of themselves on both sides of the football against Carolina. He comes back. He's like the, he's like the lifeblood of this team sometimes. You want to talk about emotional leaders. They don't necessarily have a lot of them locked in right now. He's one of them. All right. My number two, I know he's not under contract technically, but there's a lot of speculation he may or may not come back. 
Patrick Peterson. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't trust you to be a number one quarterback or cornerback, I should say, next year. I saw you got you get burned by Alshon Jeffrey, who is not fast. So, um, and and just I'm not saying he's completely washed up or anything, but he can't be your number one corner on this team. I think I I don't think honestly. Um, and when you're asking him to guard number one wide receivers, I, I mean, he did have that really good game where DK Metcalf didn't do anything, uh, and yeah. he was on him for most of the game, and that was probably the bright spot this year for Pat P. That's what's so confusing about this team is like you look at the defense, and, and you want to say, okay, Patrick Peterson is not who he was a few years ago, but it should still be enough because this offense should score 30 points every week. They scored 19 total the last two weeks, so like there's more pressure on the defense than there should have been. Uh, my number two on on players that I do trust for the Cardinals going forward, and I will say this, Hassan Reddick's not on my list because I don't know if he's going to be here. My number two pick is DeAndre Hopkins. He maybe should be number one, but obviously his performance is contingent on somebody getting him the ball, so he is number two. We saw that yesterday. I mean, what, what's he going to do if, if, if Kyler Murray's out? So Hopkins is number two on my list. But by the way, an amazing season this year. Oh, yeah. My number one. The what you've all been waiting for of players <laughs> I trust going <laughs> into next it. year. Let me, let me a little drum roll back here. Andy Isabella. Oh wow! I I where are you? Where where have you been? Ugh. He has been a healthy scratch. Not this not this last game, but the two two or three games prior to this, he had to be active for this game because Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk were out, and I don't even remember seeing him on the field. Yeah. Or if, and if he was, he wasn't targeted or anything. I he, They didn't even have him return punts yesterday. Byron Murphy was returning punts. So I, I don't know what Andy Isabella's status is with Cliff Kingsbury and with this, with this coaching staff, with this front office. But, man, the DK Metcalf Andy Isabella Ugh. thing will live on as long as he doesn't continue to produce. And you spent a second round draft pick on this guy, and I, I just can't. He's been invisible. He's been nowhere. Where, where has he been? He was more Andy isn't playing this year as opposed to Andy. At Isabella. least just have him on the field to run straight. Yeah, you go out there and run straight and see if somebody runs with you, so we could play ten on ten over here. I, I can't trust him to be good. I can't. Uh, the number one player that I do trust the most to get the Cardinals to the next level. This one's pretty obvious. Kyler Murray. You know, it was lost in the shuffle of the game. We talked about it very briefly, just a random stat in the pregame show, where if Kyler Murray got 116 passing yards, he was going to become the first player in NFL history. Think about that. To rush for 800 yards and throw for 4,000 yards. And he didn't get the 116 yesterday because he got hurt. He finished, I want to say, with 87 in that game. So he is not the first player to do it. But, you know, either way. To be that close, to be 29 yards short of becoming the first player in NFL history to throw for 4,000 yards and run for 800 yards. I know that we want to be critical of the quarterback when the team misses the playoffs. It's not Kyler Murray's fault. Could he have done more in certain games this year? Yeah, but this team would not be 8-8. Eight and eight. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury would be the coach if, if Kyler Murray wasn't the quarterback. So um, it, he's the guy. I mean, and that that's why I think next year is going to be fascinating from just a pressure standpoint there's going to be a point where Kyler Murray is going to be playing at a level that you should be 
winning playoff games. And if the rest of the team or the coaching staff hasn't caught up, then there's going to be friction. And hopefully everybody just progresses together next year. But there's going to be friction if Kyler Murray continues to get better and the record isn't getting better of the team because we've seen how surly he is after a loss. And honestly... I like that. I mean, you can handle your body language a little bit better if you're if you're the quarterback of the team. I understand there's something to that, but I like it when my quarterback hates losing. He hates losing. But the problem is if you keep losing and it's not the quarterback's fault, so we don't need that next season. That was our number one of the show. We'll come back with the reload next. It's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. The Rundown Reload. Rundown Reload. Hour number two of the show live from the Ak Chin Community Studios. Luke Lipinski here with you. Cody Fincher, the bear behind the glass. It's time for the reload, and we will start. Top stories of the day. Well, it's going to be the Cardinals. The just total meltdown the last couple weeks of the season. Uh, to to finish the way they did, it just it raises more questions. You know, if you if you finish the year eight and eight, but you start two and six, and then you close out six and two in the second half, you know, you get better after the bye week, not worse. I think everybody feels a lot better. It's just when you get worse down the stretch. I know some of it was injuries. I know uh, you know a big point was made of how beat up the 49ers were last week, and they were. And a big point was made of how beat up the Rams' offense was this week, and it was. But, I mean, the Cardinals are playing without their defensive line and Chandler Jones and Dennis Gardeck, who I know you didn't expect to be much at the start of the year, but he was a, a piece of replacing Chandler Jones. And no Larry Fitzgerald yesterday. He missed nine games his entire career, and three of them were in the last month and a half. No Christian Kirk. Chase Edmonds banged up. Kyler Murray hurt. You know, I mean, the Cardinals had injuries, too. There's a lot of this. Like I said, if they take the next step next year, we can look back and say, in the moment, we were all freaking out, but ultimately, 2020 for the Cardinals was just the next step towards being a playoff team. But the way it played out, the actual story itself, is just like, I, you, it just leaves you with a real bitter taste in your mouth at the end of the season. And, you know, this is not maybe the main focus today, I get that, but you still haven't beaten Sean McVay and the Rams. It would have been nice to not just make the playoffs yesterday, but to put an end to that. Now you're 0-8 against Sean McVay. And I know yesterday wasn't it wasn't a 34-7 loss. It wasn't 39-0. It wasn't the, the London game from a few years ago when Bruce Arians was still a coach. I get all that. But yesterday may have been the best performance by Sean McVay against the Cardinals. He didn't have a quarterback either. He just designed a bunch of plays to get John Wolford some confidence to move the ball down the field. You make your list of frustrating things about that game yesterday. It's not like John Wolford had amazing numbers, but he was the one moving the ball for the Rams. At least the week before, it was like, okay, San Francisco can run. You don't expect Jeff Wilson to run all over you, but San Francisco can run. Yesterday, I mean, Wolford was the one moving the ball. He was he was their leading rusher. He threw for, I don't know, what well over 200 yards. Like He wasn't amazing, 231 passing yards but he moved the ball for the Rams at least a little bit. So that was tough. And that's Sean McVay. I mean, nothing against Wolford, but that's not Wolford. That's Sean McVay. So yesterday, I mean, when you have a game like that where, where so many players are out, it's coach versus coach at that point. And that's why maybe Cliff is being graded unfairly or maybe he's just in a tough position. 
you're in a division with Sean McVay and Pete Carroll and, and Kyle Shanahan. But here's the thing. Those guys aren't leaving. So that's where you are. You're going to have to be able to beat those guys. Again, Cliff is 2-2 two and two against the Seahawks. I don't think anybody has any complaints about Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray against the Seahawks. And against the 49ers even, 0-2 last year when the Niners were really good, but you almost beat them both times. 1-0 to start this year, but then you know, just that brutal loss last week. But against the Rams, somebody on the Cardinals figure out a way to beat Sean McVay. Now you're going to have that carries over to next year. Now over to the Phoenix Suns, they lose last night 112-107, but they have been they've been a lot of fun these last couple weeks. They have been the the bright spot for Valley Sports certainly. They're 5 and 2 to begin the year. Yes, the Suns were 5 and 2 last year to begin the year. This is different. It certainly feels different. They nearly got run out of their own building last night against the Clippers, but instead of rolling over, and I think we're going to see this a few times this year. I don't know that we're going to see the Suns down by 20 points in a lot of games this year, but when we see this team down, I think we're going to see them come back. And they came back, cut the deficit to two last night against a very good Clippers team and uh, ultimately came up short, but still 5-2. and two. They don't play tonight. They don't play tomorrow. They play the Raptors on Wednesday. College basketball, March Madness specifically, uh, specifically, specifically the NCAA Tournament. That's going to be played in a bubble this year. That's the plan. 68 teams in Indianapolis. And, uh, you know, I know on first first glance that seems a little crazy. How are you going to fit 68 college teams into a bubble for that long? Well, it's going to be 16 after the first weekend. So, I mean, it's going to trim down pretty quickly. It, it might be a little weird those couple of days from, what, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday when those 16 teams are just kind of sitting around. But they'll be practicing. So... You gotta, if you can, gotta find a way to, to make this happen. And I mean, to not have March Madness last year, I can't even imagine. I'd heard estimates of like 350, 400 million dollars that it cost the, the, uh, the sport. That seems like a lot of money. And it, to even just to have it back, the NBA was able to do this when they had their bubble. The NHL was able to do this with their bubble. There was no positive tests in either of those sports, and they played it right through last uh, a couple months ago now. Last year. We can say last year. We can say 2020 was last year. So if college basketball can pull it off, that would uh, certainly be great. Now the question is, can they can they get 68 teams to that point? Because games keep getting canceled. College football not getting canceled now. Ohio State with the upset over Clemson over the weekend. Justin Fields looking very impressive. If you're a Jets fan, A, I'm sorry. But B, it seems like you're going to get a good quarterback, even if you end up with Fields. Did you hear the rumors now that uh, that Jacksonville's looking at Urban Meyer, and then Urban Meyer might be like, "Well, if, if I'm going to go here, I'm going to take Justin Fields," even though it's there's kind of a loose connection between Urban Meyer and Justin Fields. But um, I don't know. I mean, if you like I said, if you're the Jets, you should be able to get a pretty good quarterback in Justin Fields. I would assume Trevor Lawrence still goes first, though. It was just one game. And NFL, the playoff matchups are set. Such a weird finish to a very weird season last night with that Eagles versus Washington football team game where it sure seemed like Doug Peterson. This was as we were leaving last night, Cody. You were like, you were telling me, you're like, yeah, Jalen Hurts out of the game and uh, Nate Sudfield is in. Philadelphia loses. They get a higher draft pick, I guess. I thought Jalen Hurts was hurt. Yeah. And Carson Wentz just wasn't even like an option. Healthy scratch, they said. Healthy and active. The NFL really, I guess, uh, they got what they deserve 
flexing a, an NFC East game into primetime. They got what they deserve for having the NFC East exist. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got what they deserved all season then. So the uh, the playoffs are set, and um, we'll go through some of these matchups later on. But real quickly, in the NFC, it's the Saints and the Bears. That should be the Saints and the Cardinals. I'm going to keep saying that. The uh, Seahawks and the Rams, third meeting there, and Washington and Tampa Bay. Washington is hosting that game. I'm not really imagining how they're going to win that game. Uh, over in the AFC, Bills, Colts, Steelers, Browns, Titans, Ravens. I got to say... Now that the Cardinals are not in the NFC playoffs, I'm a lot more intrigued by the AFC because the seven seed in the AFC was 11 and five. Like, think about that. The seven seed in the AFC had four more wins than the team that won the NFC East. This is not Major League Baseball where four wins is a 40th of your season. Four wins is a quarter of your season in football. That is a very, very significant difference. A first glance... I mean, why not make the picks here? I guess I would probably go Saints, Tampa. It'd be nice to know who the Rams quarterback was. But, you know, I'll go Rams. I'll go Saints, Rams, Tampa, Buffalo, Cleveland, Baltimore. Yeah, I'll go go with that. Buffalo looks scary. Putting 56 up on Miami yesterday when Miami had to have the game. And Buffalo was just kind of passing time on a Sunday afternoon. It's a fun way to pass time, putting 56 up on your rival. All right, when we come back, we'll hear from the voice, the radio voice of the Arizona Cardinals, a guy that's pretty familiar with this team, not just this year, but for the last eh, better part of the last two decades, Dave Pash. Next, it's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Well check in with another uh, leader on that Arizona Cardinals team. Mentioned him earlier when we did our top five list of uh, Cardinals we trust the most to get this team to the next step next season. Buda Baker, he was asked today, naturally, much like DJ Humphreys was, how he feels about the criticisms of his head coach and those advocating for a change from Cliff Kingsbury. Um, I mean, I would say, you know, this is, this is Cliff's second year. Um, you see the progress that we've made. Um, he's a great coach. He's a guy who listens to his to his players, um, and he's just a great guy. He, he he comes to work each and every day early in the morning. Works his his butt off trying to trying to help this organization, trying to help this team each and every day. So um, yeah, that, that's what I would say. It would be nice to be at a point where we are not ending a Cardinal season. And talking about, hey, is this our coach for next year? You know, with the Bruce Arians thing, I mean, it, it, look, it, nobody faults B.A. For, for moving on when he did. But that does sort of put your team in upheaval. And then the next year to be like, uh, we got to move on from Steve Wilkes and this coaching staff because what just happened? You know, in 2018, last year there was no conversation, okay, did we move on from Cliff? This year, I, I understand the frustration especially today, especially yesterday, and especially because that's not the first time this season. you know. So the frustration was building going into yesterday where you're like, what is our coach doing? But there's a lot of truth to what Buda Baker just said right there. It's Cliff's second year in the NFL at all. It's not like this is not Sean McVay when he first started, but he had been learning under John Gruden and other NFL coaches forever. This is, you know, you, you thought way outside the box when you made this hire. 
So I get it if you didn't like the hire in the first place and you're sitting there yelling at your radio right now like, yeah, this is what I thought would happen two years ago. You hire a guy that struggled in college and somehow ends up in the NFL job as a head coach. I totally understand what you're saying. But as an organization, what you're where you are right now should be about where you expected to be when you hired Cliff after the 2018 season. That's why I just I don't know that you can make a move on from that right now. I think you need I think you give him next year, but everybody knows now he's there's pressure on next year because of of the way this season ended. Not one game, not even two games, although those are two pretty terrible way games to end the season, but it's the 3 and 6 down the stretch. And it is the questionable decisions on fourth down or clock management or play calling when play calling's got to be your strength. There's a lot of valid criticisms of Cliff Kingsbury. I just, it's tough to get away from the fact that they are eight and eight. But it's, this is a team that's not built to just be like, okay, we're going to be eight and eight. You don't draft Kyler Murray number one overall and be like, we're going to get back to be league average. That's going to be great. Like I said, next year, Pressure's there because and it's in the pressure's not just gonna come from the fans next year. Pressure's gonna come from your quarterback. Your quarterback hates losing, played well enough to be in the playoffs this year. I assume Kyler Murray will be even better next year. There's no guarantees in the NFL other than that Patrick Mahomes is great. But if Kyler Murray is better next year and the team goes eight and eight, that's not that's just gonna be uncomfortable for everybody. All right, we come back. We've talked about the uh, the coaching carousel in the NFL. We haven't really gone into detail about who has switched coaches, though. Six teams have already made the move, if you count the teams that made it during the regular season. We'll discuss that next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Well, it is Black Monday. Six NFL teams, unless something has happened in like the last five seconds. Six NFL teams don't have head coaches at the moment. Is there one of these that stands out to you, Cody, as like the job that you would most want? The one that surprised me, I shouldn't say surprised, but the one that's like... I think the team is, is taking the biggest risk is the Chargers getting rid of Anthony Lynn. And I know that they weren't good this year. And I know that a lot of Chargers fans have similar criticisms of Anthony Lynn. The Cardinals fans have of Cliff Kingsbury, where it's like, how do you manage the clock late in games? But same, very similar to here. The Chargers had a ton of injuries this year. I think they were actually one of the most injured teams. But also, like you have a young quarterback and he's getting better. Why do you want to? Why do you want to change things? Yeah, know? I would say that's. Probably the most attractive job because Justin Herbert turned out to be really good. Yeah. Uh, you have, as much as I hate to say it, a good wide receiver in Keenan Allen. Um, <laughs> Mike Williams is pretty good. Uh, Hunter Henry's a good tight end. Are you going to explain your Keenan Allen hater? Are we doing that no, next segment? He's, no. I'll, this, we might do it next segment. <laughs> it's coming up next Um But also, I mean, you got Austin Eckler as your running back. He's a good running back. And then on the defensive side, Joey Bosa, Derwin James. It's a pretty good team. But the downside is that if you take that job, you got to face the Chiefs twice a year. Yeah. And yeah. that's usually not going to go well. But the other one I would say is is under the radar, a sneaky good job, is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um 
they they have the number one pick in the draft. So you're probably you're either guaranteed you're guaranteed whoever you want, but Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or whoever you want to take there. An, a lot of cap space as well with the Jaguars and an owner that seems to really want to win despite what happened this year. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, so the jobs that are open are the Chargers, the Jets, the Jaguars, Falcons, Texans, and Lions. If I was putting them in order from, like, if I if I was an NFL head coach and I didn't have a team and I was so good that all six of these teams were calling me and they're like, okay, you got to pick, I'd probably go Chargers first because as much as everybody loves Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, we we know Justin Herbert is good in the NFL. So he's a, he's rookie of the year. I'm sure he's going to win that this year. You know he's good at this level, and and it's only his first year. So I'd go Chargers first. I think I'd still go Texans second because you have Deshaun Watson, but Bill O'Brien just like burn that place to the ground. They, they don't, don't even have, have their picks. picks. Yeah. I was gonna, the Laramie Tunsil trade, the Miami Dolphins have the third pick in the draft yeah. after finishing with 10 wins. Yeah, so maybe maybe not that one. Um, it, either way, it's Jacksonville or Houston, two, and then the other one's three. It's not Detroit. I think Detroit's last. It's not Denver. Right down, well, Denver still has their coach. Sorry, Vic Fangio. <laughs> Somewhere Vic Fangio's like, what? I got fired. Arizona Sports Radio said I did. <laughs> well, he's like, I got to call John Elway. Oh, wait, he's not the GM anymore. I just picture him going directly to his office, not calling anybody and packing up all the stuff because he heard you say that. Like, well, I heard it. It's got to be true. It's definitely not the Jets, though they do have the number two pick in the draft. No, I think it. I think it goes Chargers one, Jaguars or Texans two three, Atlanta four. They have a lot of weapons. Yeah, an aging quarterback, but. Jets five, Lions six. I mean, you got nothing with the Lions right now. What do you really have? You don't. DeAndre Swift, Matthew Stafford's getting up there. Couldn't you see the Lions? Galladay's a good receiver. I yeah. guess. Hawkinson's a good tight end. Yeah, but I don't know any of their defensive. Jeff Okuda, other than him, I could see the Lions hiring like some guy named Mac Patricia, and it's just Matt Patricia with a wig or something. And he's shaved, yeah. and he uses a pen instead of a pencil. <laughs> yeah, definitely use pen on the other ear instead of a pencil on, on the first ear. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the order, right? I mean, Detroit's the worst of them. They never should have fired Jim Caldwell when he got them to the playoffs. They should just rehire him. They really should. Talk about admitting a mistake however many years later. But yeah, the Chargers, that's that's the one where it's like, okay, you, you are running a little bit of a risk. I, I don't know that team inside and out the way I feel like I know the Cardinals. So, I mean, they, they know their business. But I just, if I, got a, if I got a rookie quarterback playing the way he is playing, and remember, Justin Herbert was, he was good in college. He was a first-round pick, but he wasn't like the story of college football any of the years he was the quarterback. He's a lot of times been the story of the NFL in terms of, um, in terms of rookies, at least this year. That's, you are running a risk disrupting that. Back to the uh, the Cardinals. The uh, trying to find the Kyler Murray clip from last night. It was funny. I I've definitely heard conversations today questioning Kyler Murray's toughness. He started all thirty two games of his NFL career, and he he did come back yesterday. I mean, it, people have look. I'm not Kyler Murray. I don't know how hurt he was yesterday. And there seems to be some mystery surrounding, you know, when he came back in, like if he wanted to come back in earlier or if he was the one that made the call. But if you just watch the replay of that 
Morgan Fox lands on his ankle. That's a pretty nasty looking play. Like I, I legitimately wonder if he would have played this week had they won the game. I mean, there, there is a scenario where Justin Pugh doesn't hold in the end zone. Chris Trevler doesn't throw a touchdown to the other team. And when Kyler Murray comes back in, they complete that pass to DeAndre Hopkins in the back of the end zone. I mean, it's, I know that that's three plays, but they were three pretty ridiculous plays that happened. If they just go the less ridiculous way, the Cardinals make the playoffs. But I don't know if Kyler Murray would have played against the Saints. I mean, he he looked legitimately hurt. And I, I just, I don't understand the, it's a small portion of the uh, the Cardinals fan population. I don't, I don't understand the thought of like, oh yeah, he didn't want to come back in, like, I mean, it, the guy is miserable when they lose, and he was watching the game too. Did anybody think watching when Kyler wasn't in there that they were uh, going to win? Uh, he talked about, this is after the game last night, but he, he gave us some insight in the moment as far as what happened to his ankle. Yeah, um, no, I, was at, uh, I think it was at second, third down. Uh, he just, you know, I, I got landed on um, in an awkward situation. Um, it's unfortunate. And the game obviously plays out a lot differently, I feel like. Uh, but uh, it is what it is. You know, we, that's, that's the hand we got dealt. And I, like I said, I, I wish I could have came back earlier to uh, try to make an impact quicker. But I know there were rumors, speculation a year ago at this time, going into Week 17 against the Rams, that there was that thought. And I actually think the way Kyler spoke <laughs> after the, 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 I think it was after the Rams game last year, kind of added fuel to the thought that they had to talk him into starting that game. 16th game last year, Week 17, you were out of the playoffs and he was hurt. He did play, and like I said, he started all 32 of these games. But I just, I I, I don't understand the like, well, he should have been back in there earlier. He looked legitimately hurt. Like, guys do get hurt. And he did come back. I was actually sort of surprised to see him come back later in the game, and he did move him down the field. Recall, he comes back in the game yesterday, and it's like, it's a couple really quick, short passes that are like one yard down the field. And you're like, okay, we've seen this before, but this time it makes sense because he's hurt. And that was, I'm thinking as I'm watching, like, okay, this is all he can do. So uh, why is he in there if he's not going to be able to throw down the field? And then he proceeded to throw down the field quite a bit on that drive. And uh, who knows if they score there. I mean, I think we know. They, they would have had to score again and they weren't. But um, I don't know. I have no problems with Kyler Murray this season. I, I understand I understand why some people are, you know, they get rubbed the wrong way by his body language and some of his post-game press conferences, but he's not the problem at all. Uh, He was asked about his decision to go back into the game. Oh, yeah. Um, I wish I could have came in earlier. Um, I mean, right now, it really doesn't matter how my ankle feels. Um, You know, I don't have anything to uh, look forward to as far as moving around on it, so uh, I'll be fine. That's such a depressing quote. <laughs> it doesn't matter how my ankle feels. I have nothing to look forward to. I mean, he's right. That's why he came back in the game. Because aside from the fact that he's a person, and I'm sure he'd like to be able to walk without a limp, and it sounds like he was today. Aside from that, though, in football terms, it's not like he has a game next week to, to preserve himself for. Like I, I'm sure, I'm 100% certain that if the Cardinals were already in the playoffs, he doesn't come back yesterday. Or if that play happens in week 12, he's not coming back. You know, what were they at that point, six and five? 
he, he sits out that game, the rest of that game. But that was a playoff game for the Cardinals yesterday. And honestly, the only moment of that game that resembled it being a playoff game for the Cardinals yesterday was Kyler Murray coming back to play in the fourth quarter. All right, we'll wrap up the show tonight next with a little fantasy football. We'll put a bow on that season with some fantasy football awards. Next, it is The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It's The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, we're back here. It is the rundown. Luke Lipinski, Cody Fincher behind the glass. We're going to do a little fantasy football. Michael writes into the show. Says, if you can give a shout-out to Monica for winning fantasy football for the second straight year, he would appreciate it. So there you go, Monica. You get the shout-out. And uh, since you didn't beat me in the championship, I'm willing to give you that shout-out. I should point out, too. I really should have pointed this out earlier in the show. In the host league here at the station, I'm not one to brag. But... But here comes the brag. Well, it only becomes, it's only coming because of who I played in the championship. Jarrett Carlin, who had Alvin Kamara for his sixth touchdown performance on Christmas Day and still lost the championship to me. That is a special, you, that's a special kind of loss right there for Jarrett Carlin. You really should have bet Jarrett that he should have to cut his hair <laughs> if yeah. he were to lose. He would have taken that bet after that six touchdown performance. I, that's true. Also, Monica, congratulations from one fantasy football champion <laughs> to another. So what we're going to do in this segment is uh, we got a couple awards we're going to hand out, our fantasy football awards. And look, this is obviously influenced by our own teams. It's more of just a, a, a talking point discussion. Uh, so let's start fantasy moment of the year. We may have the same one here. I'm, I'm going to go with Kamara's six touchdowns on Christmas. It didn't help me. In fact, it almost hurt me. But I don't remember seeing a lot of that. And for it to happen in the championship on Friday, was, you know, Christmas obviously, but also it was before, like it was the very first game of your championship weekend so like it really kind of set the tone a lot of the championships were decided in the first game mine was personal okay Devonte adams scoring three touchdowns against the titans he's so good to secure my championship that that pretty much put it out of out of uh contention there i was very happy very happy who do you who do you think yes Bear takes his fantasy football seriously. Were you, would you say you're happier when you win or angrier when you lose? Angrier when I lose. Okay. Yeah. That was my perception, too. Especially if I good. lose in a stupid way. <laughs> that is the worst. I lose in a Allen. stupid way. I'm looking I, at you. I, I do wonder who, like, which player, I haven't seen those lists yet, which player was on the most teams that won fantasy championships. Uh, I'm sure those are I'm sure out. Kamara was up there. Adams, Henry. Yeah. Um, okay, let's go. I'm going to go a little out of order here. Okay. Let's, let's go. Let's go rookie. Fantasy rookie of the year. This one was tough for me. It was. Of course, you want to say Justin Herbert, but I went with Justin Jefferson. Oh, that was another good one. Justin Jefferson led, I think, besides Justin Herbert, all rookies in scoring um, in fantasy. He had over 1,000 yards his first year. He, he looks... Like he's been playing in the NFL for years, and this was his first year, and he's doing it with Kirk Cousins as his quarterback, who had a pretty good year actually. But uh, yeah, Justin Jefferson was amazing. I'm going to throw out some other names. I, I am going to go with Herbert because I had to pick him up midseason when Dak went down, and Herbert well, that was, worked out for you. Yeah, I mean, it just never. 
Never even had to think twice. Herbert was out there, picked him up, started him, never even pulled him out again. And that was the league where I beat Jarrett. Let me just put that out there again. <laughs> James Robinson? Yeah, those. I want to throw two other names out there. One is Robinson because you probably didn't even draft him. Right, I didn't. I and, picked him up. But you got, yeah, but you, you got to pick him up, so that was all like free production. And Jonathan Taylor. Oh, yeah, yeah, Jonathan Taylor. I want to say that he finished third in the NFL in rushing. He did. Third in the NFL in rushing, and wow. he had 11 touchdowns wow. behind only Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook in rushing. So, And C.D. Lamb was on track to have a really yeah. good year before Dak got injured. He, he absolutely was. So, Okay, so a lot of good candidates for rookie. Uh, since they're sort of similar, let's go fantasy breakout player of the year. I'll let you go first on this one, Cody. I'm going to say Ryan Tannehill. Ooh, okay. From the Tennessee Titans. He finished as the seventh best quarterback in fantasy this year. And I didn't see that coming. He, I mean, he's, he finished the season strong last year, and the Titans went all in on him. And he's got a really good cast of weapons at his disposal, whether they're running the ball with Derrick Henry, they have you know, A.J. Brown, Corey Davis had a few good weeks here and there. Uh, Jonu Smith, the tight end, is pretty good. He kind of fizzled off near the end. I had to drop him, but he was really good for a while. Ryan Tannehill, man, like he's he's very underrated. Uh, I'll 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 say he was my backup quarterback all year on my championship team because I had Lamar Jackson, but mm. uh, I had to put him in one week and it was like I, my team didn't skip a beat there. Yeah, he is. He's been he's been really solid now for a couple years. How far do you think Tennessee goes in the playoff? Who do they play? Do they play the- Baltimore. I think they beat Baltimore. Do you? Yeah, I mean they beat I think them last they, year. I, and I don't know who they're going to play after that, yeah, but that they'll, I think mess. they'll win the in the first round. Uh, my breakout player, I, I, I changed this. I, I bent the rules here a little bit. I'm going to go the the combination of Josh Allen to Stephon Diggs because that is now one of the premier. I mean, it's right there with like the top two or three in the NFL now. Um, Stephon Diggs, 328 fantasy points this year. Last year, 212. I mean, that is a huge jump. So if I can only take one, I'm going to take Stephon Diggs. But he obviously drove Josh Allen's value way up as well. So I'm going to go with them as the breakout. I thought about going with Kyler, actually, because a little over 400 points this year. But he had he was in the 300s last year. He's the so second, second best quarterback. Yeah. In, at least in my league that I'm looking at right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of good breakouts this year. Uh, <laughs> let's go. Uh, you know what? Let's just go disappointing. Um, I know you. Th- I know you think I'm going to say Keenan Allen. Well, you know who my no, is. No, it's not Keenan Allen for me. He uh, he was a top ten receiver actually. Um, I'm going to say this is no personal ties to me. Ezekiel Elliott was really dis- disappointing yeah, this year, he was. especially after Dak went down. They probably you know wanted to go through Ezekiel Elliott, but he just looked like he looked slow this year and disinterested as well. Yeah, he really did. He kind of made the a tenth, push. Only the 10th the best running back. I'm surprised it was that. Yeah, I don't know how he got there. He made a, a little bit of a push in week 16 and kind of got Cowboys uh, fans' hopes back up. Mine, mine is personal. Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> I understand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not his fault. Uh, but I completely forgot about it. Man, oh, I mean, man. you want to talk about a guy. So he finished... He played, what, three games, two and a half games, three games, not even the full three games. And he finished 55th among running backs (laughs) in fantasy points. So, like, he was still good. He was amazing in those three games. In the league I'm in, he had 91 points in less than three games. Unbelievable. But he didn't play ever, so that's kind of painful. Uh, All right, let's go. Let's go never again on your team. Uh, Melvin Gordon. I I don't like you anymore. (laughs) 
<laughs> he was good, actually, this past week. He, he helped me get third place in the host league where I run Wolf's team. Okay. Uh, but you just can't trust him week in and week out. Yeah, I'm going to go. Too many games where he has single digits. I'm going to go with Leonard Fournette. I know he was better yeah. down the stretch, but you. Uh, Ronald have, Jones is the number one there, yeah. too. It's weird. And Fournette's one of those guys, like, when you don't play him, he'll have two touchdowns. And when you play him, he'll have four carries. And it, that situation is just not great. And then last, p- previous years of Jacksonville, you never knew if he was going to play. All right, let's go. Uh, Player of the year. Let's go fantasy player of the year this year. Who would you go with? I, you know, uh, honestly, I'm going to say Aaron Rodgers. Uh, He's not the number one person in fantasy, but if you look at that outside of Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones, look who he's throwing to. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Alan Lazard. Who the heck is Robert Tanyan all of a sudden? He <laughs> comes on the number four. He, Aaron Rodgers made him the number four fantasy tight end. Oh, yeah. Uh, so if you look at that, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is just incredible. I'm going to go with Alvin Kamara. I didn't have him on any teams, but for him to deliver that performance in the championship, also outscored any other running back by 40 points. He was the highest scoring position player that wasn't a quarterback in fantasy football. My runner-up would be Devontae Adams. Who's your personal MVP here? Devontae Adams. Is he not even close? Uh, Mine, I will say, is Travis Kelsey, who I have not had in the past. I had him. I was in three leagues this year. I had him on two of the, the leagues. Those two leagues... I went a combined 27 and 4. <laughs> and I really think a lot of it was because Travis Kelsey gives you such an advantage at that position. It was extreme this year with no George Kittle and nobody I mean Kelsey played out of his mind this year. This this has to be the best year he's ever had. But yeah, that's my my shout out to Derrick Henry who I also had on my team. <laughs> that you didn't have Henry and Adams on the same team, did you? Yes, I did. That must have been a fun team. And you had Diggs and on that James team. And James Robinson and Stefan Diggs. Yeah. And and who almost cost you a championship? Keenan Allen. Huh? Probably Keenan. Yeah. Oh yeah. That bum. He almost. Well, I mean, we've got ten seconds. That was the semis. He almost don't took you sit out. me. <laughs> Should have sat him. All right, that's gonna do it for us here tonight. Thanks to Cody Fincher behind the glass. I'm Luke Lipinski. Good luck, everybody, getting over this Cardinals loss. Thanks for listening to the rundown on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.